What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. How many have been blessed this weekend by what God has been doing in this place? Come on. Come on. Hey, it's been so good. We're about to transition into what we call a seven-on-seven. If you were here last year, it's so, so good. But before we jump into that, I just have a couple of things we really want to highlight. Number one is, hey, Pastor Chris mentioned last night, we are launching our prayer room, Pray NorCal. And hey, this is for for all of y'all, anyone who would love to join us. If there's a burden for prayer on your heart, we'd love for you to join us. It's every Tuesday through Thursday from 12 to 1. And we have our first, our real launch this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Someone say 7 p.m. We would love to have you here with us because how many know that more than just doing something for Jesus, it's about talking with Jesus and praying and praying for what God wants to do in Northern California in the Valley. Amen. Amen. Y'all are with me. So, hey, we would love to see you guys there. If you want to pray, if you want to join us, and if you're our people, make sure you're there. If you're from Thrive, make sure you're there this Wednesday night. Going to be incredible. And then someone say groups. Hey, we're so excited because we're launching our fall group session here at Thrive. But, man, I just really want to encourage you in this family. If God has done something in your life this weekend, there has to be a next step. There has to be something that you go to next, right? It's not just about hype moments and events and conferences because if you just run from conference to conference, you'll feel empty inside. You need to get discipled and get in a local context. So if you came with another group, find your youth pastor and say, how can I get more involved? How can I get connected? How can I get plugged into a group? If you came from Thrive, make sure you sign up for a group. Uh, You can scan the QR code. You can see the tables in the lobby. But hey, it's important to all the pastors here, all all of us here, that you guys get plugged in, get connected. Y'all with me? All right. Cool. Hey, at this time, I have the privilege of uh, inviting up our, our speakers and, uh, and uh, explaining what 7 on 7 is. But real quick, can you give it up for all of our 7 on 7 speakers as they join us up here? Come on. Love you guys. Love you guys. They love y'all. Hey, they love y'all. They love y'all. Let's get it. They love y'all. Bishop, well, hey, come on. If y'all don't know what a seven on seven is, is these guys are going to bring their best seven minutes of preaching. Each one of them gets to preach for seven minutes. Last year, this popped off. The bishop, Pastor Roger, started talking about dipping your fries in Wendy's Frosty, and everyone went crazy. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to introduce them all, and I'm just so excited for each one of these guys. They're all friends. They're all incredible. Love you guys. Blessed to be able to run with you guys. Up, Going first, we have Pastor Jaden from Lifesong. Come on. Hey. Second, we have Pastor Joseph Macias from The House. Hey. There you go. Third, we have Pastor Kanan Baca from New Life in Washington. Fourth, we have Pastor Aaron Gary from Wave Church in Virginia. Fifth, we have Pastor Austin Marler from Harvest. Hey! And we have the Bishop, Pastor Roger from Inspired Church. And then lastly, hey, we have our incredible lead pastor, Pastor Chris Scholes. Come on! Hey! 
Hey, I just know, hey, make sure you're ready for what God is going to do because God's going to do something special through these men. They're gifted, they're anointed, they're carriers of his presence. I'm blessed to have all of them up here. They all carry something unique. And so make sure you take some notes. Make sure you get, you, you get plugged in. Make sure you're listening to what God wants to do this evening. Let's go. Let's go. Pastor Jaden, let's go. Love you, bro. Hey, can you guys do me a favor? Can you make the mic hot real quick if you can just turn it up? Give it up for Pastor Matt as he makes his way off. Come on. You can do better than that. Make some noise for Pastor Matt. Come on, get louder than that. Come on. I just want to say uh, to you guys, I feel cooler just sitting up here with these guys right now. I'm serious. You guys are just legit dudes. But give it up for these guys again. Come on. And so uh, am I allowed to go down here? I don't know. Is there lights down here or should I stay up here? I can go down here, okay, cool. So, man, I'm here because the power and the presence of God rocked me at 19 years old. I believe in everything that I'm saying right now. God transformed me, God changed me, and I believe that God could do the same thing for you right now. And I'm here to tell you, I believe in your generation. Thank you, guys. I believe in Gen Z. I believe in the teenagers that are raising up right now. Do you believe in yourself this afternoon? Do you believe in what God wants to do with you this afternoon? So now that you know that, obviously, like I've given my life to the Lord, you need to know this about me too. I am a redneck if there ever was a redneck, okay? I'm dead serious. You know, those, you know what a stud finder is? It finds the studs in the wall. If you had like a redneck finder and it came to me, it would explode. Like I am so redneck. I'm dead serious. And so rednecks, we love to spend time outdoors. That's just what rednecks do. And so when you're outdoors, thank you, I got another redneck. So when you're outdoors, uh, you encounter wildlife, right? So I've had a lot of run-ins with bears. I've had my dog get in a fight with a bear when I was camping one time. It was wild. That's another story for another day. But anyways, I'm gonna tell you something that might save your life if you ever go camping, okay? There are different colors of bears, right? There are brown bears, there's black bears, there's white bears. You can call them polar bears, whatever you wanna say, right? So when it comes to these bears, this might save your life, okay? When it comes to brown bears, if it's brown, lay down. If it's black, fight back. And if it's white, good night. Like polar bears just don't care. Right, like they're savages, they'll just eat you, okay? But here's what I'm trying to get at, young people, is we live in a society where it's not just bears, but it's something else, and we are fighting it incorrectly. Bears that we are supposed to fight against, we are laying down, we are submitting to, is anybody hearing me this afternoon? The enemy is after you. Now here's the thing, the enemy is real, and I want you guys to catch this, okay? The enemy is after you. The enemy lies to you. Are there any fighters in the room? You ever been in a fight before? Anybody ever been in a fight? Okay, we'll pray for you. We're gonna have an altar call right now. I'm just kidding. So I want you to check this out. You guys know how to fight. You, I, I've seen your school fights on, you know, whatever that Instagram site is. I've seen your school fights. Girl fights, by the way, are crazy. Like, girls, you guys are pulling hair and like you're throwing haymakers that guys don't even throw. You guys know how to fight. You know how to fight with your parents, right? You know how to fight with your teachers. You know how to fight in the comments section. You know how to fight with people in your DMs, right? You guys know how to fight. Are there any fighters in here? Come on, let me know where you're at. There's fighters in the room. Now here's where I'm getting at. You guys know how to fight, but the second that the enemy comes in and tells you that you are depressed, you're just like, yeah, you're probably right. The second the devil comes in and he's like, you're gonna struggle with anxiety for the rest of your life, you're like, you know what? I think so. You're gonna battle with suicidal thoughts. You know how to fight, but you're doing the wrong thing in the wrong place. You're laying down for a bear that God designed you to fight back. You're laying down for something that you need to get up. And so my prayer for you this afternoon is that God would put a fight inside of somebody this afternoon. 
Oh, come on, I really wanna pray that right now. Who wants to fight back in them in this, this place in this afternoon? Come on. If you wanna fight, stand to your feet with me right now. If you wanna have that fight inside of you, come on, I want you to just lift your hands to heaven right now. Lord, I pray that a fight would rest on this generation right now. Lord, the young people that have been submitting to the wrong thing, laying their life down to the wrong thing, I pray that you would put a fight inside of them to go after the enemy. And if you're a fighter, would you lift up a shout? Come on, in this place, let the devil know. Come on. Let me say, that was, no, that was walk this town. This is run this town. Come on, lift up a shout in this place. Come on. Grab your seats, grab your seats. Okay, I got two minutes. You guys cool, two more minutes? I want you to see this right now. You are in a war in this place. You're in a spiritual war, okay? The enemy is after you. The enemy doesn't like you. The devil's not like Chick-fil-A. He does not take Sundays off. You need to understand that about the devil. He hates you and he wants you dead, okay? But I want you guys to catch this. You have power. You have authority against the devil. It says in the book of James to resist the devil, right? And he will flee from you. Resist does not mean to just stand there and take it. It means to move forward and to push him back into his rightful place. Is anybody hearing me this afternoon. But here's how warfare works. I want you to understand this. In warfare, whether it's physical, with a world war, whatever it may be, when it comes to warfare, your enemy always goes after his greatest threat first. I want you to catch this. The enemy will throw depression your way. The enemy will throw anxiety your way. The enemy will throw suicidal thoughts your way. And if you're battling with those things, it means that the devil does not like you. Did you hear me this afternoon? The devil is threatened by you. The devil is scared of you. The devil is intimidated by you. And if he wasn't intimidated by you, he wouldn't mess with you. He wouldn't try to stop you. He wouldn't try to slow you down. Can I tell you something? This might sound crazy, but your generation, and this might be like, just listen to me. Your generation is a generation that's battled with depression unlike any other before with anxiety unlike any other before, with suicidal thoughts like any other before. And I'm not saying that to dog on you, I'm saying that as a compliment because the devil is more scared of your generation than he is of my generation and the past generations. Come on, and the reason for that is you have been called by God, you have been chosen by God this afternoon, you are a threat to the devil's kingdom. Let him know this afternoon, come on, as I wrap this up, give God praise one last time, come on, this afternoon. Now, as I transition to the next speaker, could you guys please do me a favor? Can you make some noise for Pastor Jay, for Joe? Come on, this afternoon, let's go. Can you guys stand with me in this place? Can you guys stand with me in this place? We're gonna go right into this. We're gonna go right into this. My name is Joseph Macias, I'm from the house of Modesto, and I can't believe, I can't believe I get to do this for a second time in the second year. I honor you guys. I thank you, Pastor Chris, Pastor Matt, for doing this. just want you guys to lift up your hands. Father, I pray your spirit upon every person in this room. God, I pray for every encounter that we've ever experienced with you to be out of our thoughts. God, because the next encounter is going to mark our life in a brand new way. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Who's ever had an encounter with God? Who's, it, who's ever had an encounter with God? Okay. Who's ever been to a conference? Okay, okay, okay. So I'm talking to you guys, and whose first time is it at a conference? Hey, hey man. A lot of my group, I know a lot of our group has it. So let me explain this to you. I grew up in church. Uh, I was born in the pews, and uh, pretty much since I was a kid, I was raised in church. 
and I've been to conferences my whole life. I've been to church my whole life. Wednesdays every week at church. Sundays every week at church. My dad would make me come to church every week, and I experience God in real ways. But let me tell you, as life goes on, you can't remember the past encounters. You got to remember the present encounter. And 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 we can fix our thoughts on the past encounters and all that. But I believe that God spoke to me in the last two months for a very, very real reason. And I wanted to share something with you guys. And it's from Genesis 32, 23 through 28. And this is Jacob. Say Jacob. Jacob. Say Jacob. Jacob. It says in 23, and he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And I just want to pause here because I really felt that there's some people in this room who are in their alone season. I remember when I was in my alone season and I blamed God and I blamed everyone else for that alone season. There is a reason why you're in that alone season. It's because God needs you to be alone so you can counter him in a real way, in a raw way. Not the way that your parents encounter God. Not the way that we encounter God. Not the way that your church or your friends encounter God. And so let me just tell you, stop blaming your alone season and let God into that alone season. You got to learn how to submit to the spirit. When you're alone, you can lean into fear or you can lean into faith. And I pray that tonight you can lean into some more faith because we're in a room surrounded by with some people who have some faith in this room. And let's keep going on. It says a man wrestled. Say wrestled. Who's ever wrestled in the room before? We got any wrestlers here? We got any wrestlers? Okay, okay, okay. And it says, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he did not prevail against Jacob. Say Jacob again. He touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint. And as he wrestled with him, then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, I will not let you go until you bless me. Now look at your other neighbor. Say, I will not let you go until you bless me. Now I want you to close your eyes. Make this a real moment. Make this a real moment. Close your eyes. And I want you just to face up to heaven. And I want you just to tell God, I will not let you go until you bless me. Now look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Jacob had to come to a desperate point. Jacob was known as a liar. He was known as a deceiver. He was known as the cheater. Who's ever been called some of those names? I will put my hand up because I am not perfect. I've made some real mistakes in my life. I was a drug dealer turned into a hope dealer. And I know if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. But I know I went through some things, y'all. I went through some things that people call me. Joe, you would never be able to be another leader. Hey, Joe, you're never going to be like your dad as the pastor. Hey, Joe, you'll never go back to being that person that used to lay hands. You'll never go back. And I was hearing these lies, lies. And culture will tell you lies upon lies and upon lies. But there had to come a point where that submission like Jacob happened. There came a submission. And tonight I pray that tonight you can find your point of submission. Because you're going through something, and we were all created with this void. Say a void. Say a void. There's a void in your heart for a reason. It's because the only thing that can fulfill it is God's Holy Spirit. And we've been trying to fill it with so many other things. Culture says, be this. Culture says, do this. TikTok says, do this. Instagram says, do this. But I promise you, Every single one of those will lead to another lie on a lie, temptation, another temptation. And we go back to Jacob. And let me just, as I'm, uh, as I'm wrapping it up, Jacob, as he was wrestling with God, God touched his hip. Say his hip. And it says at the very end of the scripture, it says that Jacob walked for, with a limp for the rest of his life. 
Whew. Imagine you getting touched by God here at We Run This Town 23. Because I'm not speaking to just another person to tickle your ears. I believe that tonight God wants to mark you. Say, mark me. Tell God, say, mark me, God. Tell him, I won't let go until you bless me, God. Jacob was marked, and it says that he walked everywhere with the limp. And he says, God, I'm going to walk with this limp because it's evident that you touched me. And I believe tonight we're going to walk on our campuses with a limp. We're going to walk on our college campuses with a limp. We're going to walk back into our families with a limp. We're going to walk back there and say, you know what? I came in like this, but I'm walking out with a limp because now I know I got my touch from God. And I won't let go until I get my touch from God. And so I, I, I got to learn how to submit. I got to kind of learn how to wrestle with God. I know it's wrestling and wrestlers, it, it's hard. It's tiring. Imagine how Jacob fell and imagine if Jacob threw in the towel a little early. Imagine if he threw in his towel a little early. Imagine if that limp never followed him. His, his sons would have never been blessed with the 12 tribes of Judah. They would have never, ever had an inheritance of the generational blessings. So everyone stand up in this room as I'm uh, wrapping it up. Everyone stand in this room. Put one hand on your heart, one hand up. Say, God, mark me tonight to never be the same. Let me get my limp tonight. Mark my heart, mark my eyes, mark my ears, mark my spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Love you guys. And can we give it up for the next greatest worship leader ever, Pastor Kanan Baca. Yo, can I tell you, it's really hard to follow any of these guys on here. So this is a little nerve-wracking. I'm used to having a guitar in my hands and like some music going behind me to make it sound spiritual, even if it isn't super great or eloquent. Actually, could the band just come up really quick and, and join me? Up? No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that would be make me feel more comfortable. But man, this is so fun. This is so good. And um, you know, it actually worked out perfectly. We didn't know before he came up here, but Pastor Joseph and I kind of were on the same page, but with the same uh, text and passage, but from different perspectives. So this is actually really cool. I don't have to take time to read it. So thanks for doing that for me. This is perfect. Um, but we're talking about Joseph, right? And that was wonderful. One touch can change everything. Now, I kind of want to take it back a little bit farther to the beginning and where he got his name and that connotation of being a cheater and a liar. When he came out of his womb, his brother was Esau. Do you guys remember the story of, um, of Esau? He's so hungry. He came in from hunting, and he, he met his brother Jacob and said, I need to eat. I'm going to die. Let me have some of that soup. And then his brother got on his feet really quick, and he said, I'll give it to you, but if you give me your birthright. Do you guys remember that? This is the same guy. This is Jacob and Esau, his brother. So when we pick up in this part of the passage, he's actually on his way. He just left. He got tricked himself, and Leah and, and his, his wife, like his family kind of got weird. But he was on his way to go try to get favor again with his brother Esau after years and years and years of having, like Esau was trying to kill him. So he went and he fled and he hid. So he's on his way back to try to find favor with Esau after all these years, and he thinks he's probably still gonna die. Like that's where we pick up. But when he came out of the womb, he was the second one of twins. Esau was the first. He came out holding Esau's ankle. That's kind of what, and so it's interesting, his name means, it's, it's a play on words, it sounds like heel, H-E-L, like, like the heel of your, your foot. It, it's a play on words that sounds like heel, Jacob in the Hebrew sounds like another word for heel in the Hebrew, and it also sounds like a word in the Hebrew for cheat. So it's like as time went on and he developed this personality trait of like deceiving and trying to get favor in these unsavory ways, his brother Esau said, no wonder your name is Jacob, because all you do is cheat. 
basically. He's like, no wonder they called you that from birth because you've been cheating your whole life. And so he's finding his way. He's trying to fight, and he, and he gets into this weird situation where he's trying to serve his father-in-law to take home his wife, and his father-in-law tricks him, but then he tricks him back. It's this whole crazy journey to where we find ourselves here. And the really cool thing that I find about this is that as he's wrestling with God, he sends his family on their way. He said, I'll meet you tomorrow. I'll, I'll keep going in just a little bit. But this, this man, quote-unquote, Scripture, we don't know if it was an angel of God, but a lot of people think it was God incarnate, came and he wrestled with him and he held on to him, right? And, uh, and when he says, the, the angel of God or God says, let me go for his daybreak, he says, I'm not gonna let you go till you bless me, right? Now, the funny thing is, with just one touch, his hip was put out of place. So do you think that he really needed Jacob to let him go to get out of that situation? Probably not, right? <laughs> God could have done, he could have just flicked him and he would have like flown like across to a different place, right? Like he could have done anything. He didn't physically need Jacob to let go of him because he's gonna handle it. This, this was a test to show him that, look, you have deceived your entire life to try to gain favor. You've deceived your entire life and cheated to try to get blessing before it was your time. You thought you wanted these things and you got what you wanted by your own terms. But I'm gonna make you Israel. His name was changed after this moment. God called him Israel, which literally became the people of Israel, God's chosen people, came from this man who was deceiving and a liar for his entire life. What a blessing that is. He says, look, you're gonna be a blessed people, but I'm not gonna let you think it was because of you. Because your entire life, you've been deceiving and cheating and swindling to get favor and blessing. He says, this limp that I give you is to remind you that you yourself cannot have done anything that you're about to do, and you wouldn't have been a namesake for my people if it wasn't for me. I really believe... Just like Pastor Joseph was saying, the limp reminds you of where you came from and who God is. It reminds you of where you came from and who God is. And, um, and uh, okay, yeah. See, I'm not really a speaker. I'm trying to get my thoughts together. So, so part of knowing who God is and being sent, this is kind of the big idea that I wanted to, to tie in and run with. A huge part of knowing who we are and being sent by God is knowing the part that we play and the part that God plays. Oftentimes, we can have a vision for our lives. We can have excitement and energy. We can think, man, we're going to do great things. But if we run out ahead of him, take things by our, by, in our own way, run ahead of his timing, we, we get impatient. It's a, it's a theme throughout Scripture. If you read about Saul, King Saul, Solomon, David, these guys sinned in the worst ways when they became impatient and took what they wanted when it was outside of their season. And so it's this whole thing, this whole theme throughout Scripture that if you take what you think is good at the wrong time, it can't be blessed. God can do whatever he wants with you, but, but when we run out ahead of him, it's really, really hard to see um, his blessing in it. And so big idea here is God has called you, he wants to send you, and he wants to use you, but he's got to do it on his terms. We are not him. We don't get to call the shots. He's God, we're not. And he might use you in incredible ways, but never, ever, ever forget to lead with a limp. Never, ever forget that he's the one that blessed you. He's the one that gave you the gifts and the talents to do what he's called you to do. It's not because you were super smart or you were in the right green room, you met the right person, you networked in the right way. It's not because of that. It's because he called you to it. Amen, do you guys receive that? Remember, he's the one that calls you, sends you. So... Just to close out, let's not be like Jacob. You don't need to cheat your way to a blessing. You don't need to fight your way into any kind of favor. He's gonna give it to you, but ask for his timing. Be patient. Be ready to receive it at his time when he wants to give it to you. Thank you. Come on, can we make some noise for Pastor Kato one more time? 
Uh, my name is Aaron Gary. I hail from the beautiful state of Virginia. I come all the way from Virginia Beach. I know I left the, the best time in Virginia Beach to come hang out with you guys because I do believe God wants to do something special. I'm at a church called Wave Church, and I really love my church because we're doing a lot of great work uh, reaching our city. And I do believe that God's called us all to reach our city, right? Would you all agree? Can I get an amen? This is a talkback church, hopefully. Um, and I do believe that if you're here and you can hear me, um, that God has a plan for you to reach somebody. There's people in your school, people on your teams, people in your neighborhood who need to hear the gospel, and God has called you to be the influence in their life. Could it be there are people on your football team or your volleyball team or your soccer team that may never have heard the name of Jesus, but when you walk in and tell them that there's a God of love, there's a God of hope, there's a God of peace, it could change their life, their family's life, their friend's life, their parents' life. What could it look like if all of us decide to reach our city and reach our, our neighborhoods? And so I'd like to open up to a text um, in Luke chapter 4. I'm not going to ask you to open up your Bibles, but you can open up your Bibles if you want to. Um, if you take notes, you get to heaven faster, I hear. Maybe not. Um, that's a joke. It's a joke. Um, Luke chapter 4, I want to look at a text for Jesus, and I want to hopefully give us a blueprint on how we are to reach our city. So Luke chapter 4, verse 14, if you're taking notes, maybe you are. If you're reading it, maybe you're not. It says, then Jesus returned to Galilee. Galilee was like Jesus' neighborhood. He returned back home. It was a homecoming. It was people that knew him. It was people that grew up with him. It was people who were like, hey, that's Jesus. I don't know if he's the son of God, but I know he's Joseph's son. So people that were familiar with Jesus, we all know people in our lives that were overly familiar with us that know us very well. And so then it says, Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. Isn't that what we all want? We want reports of Jesus to be spread throughout all of our region. Don't we want reports of Jesus to be spread through all of North Cal? Don't we want reports about Jesus to just impact people that we know? We all want the gospel to change our friends' lives. We all want the gospel and the good news of Jesus to change and transform the people that we know best? Don't we want the gospel of Jesus to impact the people at our school, on our teams, in our neighborhoods? Don't we want the gospel of Jesus to change their life? What would it look like if the good news of Jesus spread so quickly, people were able to see Jesus for who he was, not for who they thought he was? Jesus wants people to know him for who he is, and could it be that he He's called you to be the person to help spread that quickly. So Jesus, as our great example, teaches us that, that he teaches us that he, he taught in the synagogue weekly, consistently. Jesus is our great example, and he shows us that we have the opportunity to spread his word because later in the text, it tells us that Jesus taught in synagogues, and he was an example. And I love this because Jesus is our example to never stop teaching the gospel, never stop preaching the gospel. No matter how many times people say, no, I'm not going to that church. That's weird. No, I'm not, I don't want to hear about that Jesus guy. That's no, no. I've already told you I have different beliefs. Don't push that on me. No matter what Jesus tells us, there's a value and consistency in teaching the gospel. Jesus always tells, he also shows us there's a value in, in, in living how we talk, living how we teach, living out the, the life of Jesus. He says there's a value in that. But today I want to focus on one part of Jesus in here, in this example of Jesus on, on where we are to go when we want to run this city. If we want to reach our city, where are we to go? And the first part of the passage is that Jesus returned to Galilee. Where, where The question you're probably asking is, where did Jesus come from? 
Where was he at? So the first time that Jesus ever taught or preached was in his hometown, people that knew him best. But before he ever taught or preached, he spent time with Jesus or he spent time with God in the, in the, in the, in the wilderness. But before that, in the wilderness, there was a place of baptism. So Jesus, at his baptism, was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, or John lets us know that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove, and then he was led into the wilderness, and then he began to teach and preach in his hometown. So that before we are to do anything, I want us to follow the example of Jesus and run to the place of prayer, to run to the place of presence. If you're listening, before we can run this city, we have to to learn to run to the place of presence. Before we're to run our city, we're to run to the place of presence. Do you have a place, friend? Do you have a place where you seek the face of God? Do you have a place where you pray for your friends that you're inviting to church? Do you have a place where you say, God, would you lead me today? Would you show me who to invite? Would you help me reach my family? Do you have a place where you seek God's face? Do you have a place where you sit down and say, God, I want to reach my city. I don't know how, but I need your power. I need your presence. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? The Bible says that Jesus returned to Galilee full of the Holy Spirit and began to teach and to preach. And I want to remind you, before you teach, before you preach, before you reach your city, you must reach the feet of Jesus and pray and beg and ask for him to anoint you with your Holy Spirit. Do you have a place? Do you have a place? Do you have a place? Everyone's saying it, every, every hand lifted. Jesus, we, we thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, we pray that as our hands are lifted and our hearts are open, that your Holy Spirit would fall on us fresh. Would you anoint us fresh with power? Would you anoint us fresh with courage? Would you anoint us fresh with vision? to help us see who you've called us to reach and the boldness to reach them. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Come on, would you give it up for Pastor Aaron one more time? Come on, I wanna jump right in. I wanna go to 1 Peter 5.10. It says, and after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory, say eternal glory, and Christ will restore confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Close your eyes for just one second. I want you to, for a, a brief moment, just to imagine building a skyscraper. I want you to see the building going up. I want you to see the walls coming into place. I want you to see the top being put on and it being the big building that it is. And I want you to see you cutting the ribbon and everyone walking in and out. Now open your eyes and look at me. Odds are nine out of 10 of you in this building built up, but you never built down. And what you have to understand about a skyscraper is the skyscraper can only go as high as it is deep. And so other words, what I want to do with my five minutes here real briefly is I want to challenge us not to go high, but to go deep. Because there's something in the place of depth that God wants to do in us. So you got to understand, God wants to do something for you. God wants to do something through you. But before you can be a sent one, you have to be a crucified one. So in other words, what God calls us to do, the first kind of glory he calls us to is to share in the glory of the cross. See, we love the saying in church that we go from glory to glory. 
But here's what we've got to catch. The gospel writer of John has a theme about glory. And here's what it tells us. It tells us that God's, that Jesus's glory was not when he healed the sick, although he got glory from it. It was not when he opened the eyes of the blind, although he got glory from it. It was not when he raised a man to life whose name was Lazarus, although he got glory from it. The hour of glory for John was when he hung on the cross bleeding and dying for you and me. Can I tell you something? There's something in you that needs to die before you can be a sent one. We, we, we need to be okay with this. And I think oftentimes in the context of our lives, we get very uncomfortable with this concept. We're like, man, this preacher's preaching something hard. But can I be real honest with you? There is some shame. There is some pride. There is some bent up rage and anger that is in you that you are fighting with over the last few days and you haven't surrendered it. Can I tell you the first glory that you need to share in is the glory of the cross. There is a reason why Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, don't just believe in me. He said, pick up your cross and follow me. So in order to be a sent one from this conference, you have to get one thing right. We have to become a crucified one. And I think in the context of our lives, what makes this so scary for us is because the thing that God calls us to crucify is often the thing we cling tightest to. And he's calling us to let go of that thing. And here's what I really want to get to. If we want to go from glory to glory, we have to get good at crucifying the flesh. The cross is not a pretty instrument, but it is an effective one. And so what I want to show you is this, although it might be painful to let go of the thing you're holding Titus to, when you put the cross in context, the God of the cross is also the same God of resurrection. So therefore, if he's calling you to die to something, He's getting ready to raise you to life in something. In other words, the same thing God's calling you to give up. He's about to bring something new to you. Can I prophesy to somebody today that the very thing that you think is holding you back, the very thing you've been fighting with, the very thing you've been struggling with, when you put that thing on the cross, can I tell you, God's getting ready to raise to life in you new life, new hope, new peace, new joy, new acceptance. I don't have to walk around like a victim because I've been resurrected. See, watch this. It says, when you're with him in eternal glory, when I share in his glory with him, I will also share in his eternal glory with him. So it's not just about I live my life for Jesus and I go to heaven. It's that I can experience the cross and the victory too. So I don't have to walk around in shame defeated, head down, I can walk around as a victorious one, not because I'm really good at getting out of the valley, not because I'm really good at getting me out of trouble, but because he's already paid a price. And so if we could catch this as young people, what I love about this passage in 1 Peter 5.10 is it simply says this, the very first line of the paragraph, it says, to the young people. Paul, I'm, Paul here, I'm Peter here, he's not writing to the elders of the church. Peter is not writing to people who have been doing this thing for forever. He's writing to people like you and me, who are young, who are still trying to catch it. And what he's trying to communicate simply to you today from this passage is this. If you want God to show up in your life in victory, you need to get real comfortable with him showing up in your life with a cross. 
and I don't know about you, but I'm perfectly fine and comfortable, and I believe Gen Z is perfectly fine and comfortable with laying down our life, picking up a cross, and following Jesus. Because I don't want to live in comfortable Christianity. I would rather be convicted than comfortable. And so therefore, if I can get outside of myself for a moment, then what I can do is I can begin to pick up the very thing that God is going to use to sanctify me. And watch this. Then once I'm sanctified, I become sent. And as I carry my cross, I carry victory to my school too. I carry victory to my house too. I carry victory to my friends too. I walk in victory because of the cross that came before me. So if I could encourage everyone in the building today with one thing, it's simply this. The same thing Peter would say to you today is this. Young people, crucify your flesh, but come alive in the spirit of God. I love this. When you get the cross right, you become a sent one, and there's a promise that comes with being a sent one. The promise is this. Jesus, in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, he says, but even to the end of the age... I'm with you. You want God to show up on your campus? Sharing, sharing the glory of the cross. Stand to your feet real quick. Lift your hands. I want you to pray this with me. Say, God, crucify my flesh. I put it on the cross today. And I pick up new life in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, would you give God praise and give it up for the bishop. Hey, I've been waiting a long time. <laughs> wow. You guys, this is fire. This has been so amazing. Can we just give it up for every single person that is up here, man? I want you guys to know that you encourage me, you minister to me, you bless me. I praise God for each and every one of you. And everything they have said has had a purpose. Everything from the fight to the wrestle, right, to the timing, to the place, to the glory, the cross, all of it has been to equip you to function. All of it has been, equipped, has been to equip you to function. And what you need to understand is that whatever it is that God forms, he always fills. And whatever it is that he fills, he fills so it can function. And you see this motif throughout all of scripture. When God went to go create the universe and the cosmos, he formed the skies and the heavens. He created light and darkness and, and, and water. And then he filled it. You, you see what I'm saying? With fish and birds. So that way they have a function. When God went to go create humanity, the Bible says that he went and he formed man first. Right? And then he filled him. And when he filled him, he was able to function. And you begin to see this all throughout scripture. When you look at the tabernacle, God formed the tabernacle. Then he filled the tabernacle. And once the tabernacle was filled, then he, the tabernacle began to function. You begin to see this with the very first church in the book of Acts in the upper room. When he began to form the first church. And then he filled the first church with the sound of a rushing wind. 
Yes, and it looked like flames of fire upon each head. And when they began to be filled, the Bible says that the church began to function. You need to know that God forms you. And he didn't form you just to form you. But he forms you and then he fills you. But he didn't form you and he didn't just fill you. But he called you to function. You have a function. You have a function. Everywhere you go, everything you do, every place you enter, every space you find yourself in, there is a function. There is a function. There was an alabaster box that at some point was formed. And then a little later on, this alabaster box was filled with perfume. And then it was given into the hands of a woman who was standing outside of a house and she had a decision to make. She knew that she was formed. She knew that she was filled and she knew she had a function. And the Bible says that she entered into the room and when she entered into the room, all the haters were there, all the naysayers, everything negative, everything that was there to speak against her. But the Bible says that what she had to do was so important because she had a function. And so the Bible says that she took the alabaster box and the Bible says that she just gently poured. No, that's not what she said, right? What, what, what happened? The Bible says she what? The Bible says she what? The Bible says she what? Yeah, 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 she broke it. And it had to be broken, Pastor Chris. Because as long as it was whole, then she could control how much of the perfume. You see what I'm saying? See, we don't, we don't mind going into the presence of God as long as we can control how much of ourselves to give. But I'm here today to tell you that God's looking for a broken people. God's saying, I want to be spent. I want to give them my all. I want to do it right. I'm here to be broken. And she broke the alabaster. Yes, she broke it. And the Bible says that when she broke that perfume, that all of a sudden, the aroma had to have filled the room. There couldn't have been a nook, a crevice. There couldn't have been a spot in that building that did not smell of the perfume. It filled it up. But can you imagine? Can you imagine? Before she ever entered, before she ever entered, inside of her mind, there was a fight. Inside of her heart, there was a wrestle. She knew that there was timing. And she knew there was timing because she knows what it is to be in a place. Do you see what I'm saying? And when she's in that place, she understands what it means to carry a cross. And so what she had to do is she had to make a decision. She said, listen, I know I need to get into God's presence. And I know I need to have a function, but I know the minute I get in there, there are going to be some things said. And so she had to wrestle with insecurities and doubts and worries and anxieties. Because what will they say? And what will they do? And how will they react? And what will they say to me? And, and, and what will they load their looks be like? And, but, but she had to eventually get to a place where, where, where this room was filled with these men. Would you, would you just stand right here? Come on, guys. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Just, 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 stand, just stand right here. And we're going to put, we're gonna put Jesus over here at the... At the, at the, at the and then, and so, 
And so here she is. And, 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 and they're, they're all around Jesus. They're, 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 I mean, Jesus is their homie. And they're, they're here. And they're like, these are the, these are the, these are the guys. And, and, and so, and so you know, they're here. And come, come right here. Come right here, guys. Come, no, not Jesus. Jesus, you stay over there. And, and, and you guys come over here. Come over here. And, and, and we're going to get this. We're gonna, and, so the, and so here she is. And she has to decide, what am I going to do? And, and how am I going to do? And am I going to do this? And, and so finally she says, no, because I have a function. And so she goes and she opens the door. And when she opens the door, she knew she had to get to Jesus's feet. And so she had to go past some insecurity and she had to make way past some fear. And she had to say, excuse me, I didn't, I didn't come here for you. And, and she had to go past some lies and some doubts. So that way she could get to the very feet of Jesus and break the alabaster box. You see, somebody and so God is calling you to run this city and some of you have to get to your campuses and get to your homes and and, and you have to get to the, the lobby on your video games and you have to get all the way into spaces and, and make sure because you have a function and you have to pass through some stuff because you my friend have been formed filled because you have a function and God is going to make sure that he uses every dysfunction for your function and for his glory. Can we give it up for Pastor Chris Scoes as he lands us? Here? Oh, sit down, sit down. Why you do that to me, Pastor Matt? That's stupid. Stoops. All you guys. That's... We could just do the altar call now. Oh, I love it. I love that God raises up voices, man. I love that we create an atmosphere where God would raise up people who would preach, who would share the gospel. See, I believe one thing is that every single one of these guys on this stage was in the very same seats that you were at maybe 10, 20 years ago. And it doesn't matter how gifted or called it and all that stuff. It doesn't really matter. But when you allow God to get a hold of your life, when you allow Jesus to get all of you, like how Roger was saying, something begins to happen. I want to read to you something because I was told I can't just do an altar call. I have to preach for five minutes. So I guess I'm going to share a little something. I want to share you the verse of really what we felt the, the theme of this conference was, and it's Romans. Go ahead and throw it up on the screen because it's my church, so I cheated. <laughs> Romans 10, 14 and 15. It's all on your t-shirts, the Isaiah verse. It's all on, the, all, all on the merch, all on the social, all on the flyers and all that. And it says this, and I want you to really catch this because, man, I think God's gonna say something to you. How then, right, Paul's talking to us. He's talking to the Roman church. He's talking to us. How then will they call on him? 
He's talking about random people. He's talking about your friends, your coworkers, your cousins, your neighbors, your nephews, your nieces, your neighbor you don't like, the neighbor you do like, your teachers, your, your family members, your mom, your dad. He's talking about the prodigal that you've been praying that needs to come home. He, he's talking about the drug addict that you've been believing that God would actually deliver. He's talking about that family that's walking through a divorce situation that needs to get restored and filled and set free. That's who Paul is talking about. And he is asking us a question. How then will they call on him? in whom they have not believed. And how? Again, another question. And I want you to understand this. When, when anywhere in scripture, Jesus or a writer asks a bunch of questions, it's rhetorical. He knows the answer. But it's because we're dumb enough, we don't get it. Let's just be honest. So he's gonna ask us a couple questions. How then will they call on him if they do not believe? And how are they to believe in him in whom they've never heard? And Third question, how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Four questions. How are they going to hear? How are they, they going to call on him if they don't believe in him? How are they going to believe in him if they've never heard of him? How are they going to hear if they've never heard someone preach to them? And how is someone going to preach to them unless they've been sent? And then it says this, because it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I want to tie this in real quick, and I'm going to close. How? See, the theme of this conference has nothing to do but you feeling good about yourself. The theme of this conference has nothing to do about you just getting an experience and a memory so that way you could feel good and that way you can go back home, be a Christian for two weeks, and then decide to go back into the emotional roller coaster of your life. This conference was not designed so you can feel the little goose pimples of the Holy Ghost and go back into sin and decay and not let God transform you so that way someone else can get transformed by the transformation that God took place at an altar call or a response or whatever the case may be. The mission of Jesus is this, is I know people in your life that need to know me. I know people in your life, your workplace, your school, your job. I know people. I have my kids in your proximity. And guess what? I put you there on purpose because you can reach them. But, but man, how are they going to get reached if they've never heard? And how are they going to believe if they've never heard the gospel? Right? How are they going to believe if they've never heard? And how are they going to hear if, man, they've never talked to them? And how are they going to hear without someone preaching? And how are they going to hear the preaching if no one's been sent? And then he ties this idea. What a cool idea. How beautiful are the feet. I, I'm a dad, and so one of the things I love to do as a dad, I got a one-year-old. Her name is Psalm. She's sleeping in the back. Thank Jesus. Because she's loud. It's a parent thing. I grab my daughter's feet, her little pitas, and I stick them in my nose. I go. <laughs> now, teenagers, if your parents are doing that, that's, that's weird. Just, just. Don't, don't. That's, that's awkward. You know what I'm saying? But, but. Oh, man, you, you, know, you know, it's an interesting like, a concept is, is, is feet are nasty. Like, no one has cute toes, you know what I'm saying? Like, even if you think your feet are cute, girls, they ratchet. <laughs> they ugly. They ugly. They hairy. Guys, you got feet, you got hair on your feet, you looking like a hobbit from Lord of the Rings, you know what I'm talking about? Come on. If you Mexican, they even hairier. You know what I'm saying? 
They are, amen, amen, amen. You know, feet. And so, so what is Jesus, what is Paul asking? And, and what is the Holy Spirit writing through Paul? He's saying, I want to send people. I want people to go to the places that no one would go to hear the gospel, to hear the message, so that way I can encounter them, so that way their life could be transformed forever, and that one day they would be in heaven with me for eternity. I want a big family reunion one day. I want God to restore and redeem all things, and I'm gonna use the people that are broken and hurting to do it. I'm gonna use the people that no one thought that would ever be used, because it's, listen, the question is not a matter, the qualification is not a list of how good you need to be. The question is, are you willing to go? Who will go? And then he says, and their feet are beautiful. And, and what? Come on, my feet are beautiful? Like, I would understand, God, if my eyes were beautiful. Come on, like some blue eyes, some green eyes. If you got brown eyes, they're not that beautiful. Sorry, just get over it. Maybe, 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 maybe my hair is beautiful. Come on, we got that Pastor Aaron Gary locks going on right here. And maybe your hair is, no, no, no your, your hair is not going to be beautiful. Your feet are not going to be beautiful. Maybe, oh, this is a good one. The hands would be beautiful. Maybe my hand, right? Those who preach the news, who are doing good work, their hands would be beautiful. No, he says that your feet, everybody say feet. Feet will be beautiful. And I think this is very, very important for us to understand. Maybe the reason that God highlighted the feet is because God isn't scared of the dirty things in your life. Because I know what's happening right now. And listen, you had 30 seconds left. You had like a minute left. You used 30 seconds left. I'm taking all their time, okay? And uh, what, you, what you need to understand is right now as you were hearing all these guys, pastors, you might have been sitting there and you're like, but you know what, God, that's not me. That's not me because you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm going through. And, and you start making all the excuses in these sessions. And can I tell you that God would use the dirtiness of your life to qualify you into something you're not qualified for. I want to talk to someone in the room today who God is pressing something on the inside and that God would say, I'm calling you and I know you're nervous and I know you're scared. I know your feet have walked through some dirty things. I know your feet have walked through some rocks and some, some knives and, and some stuff steel on the ground. I know your feet have had some things that they've walked through, but can I tell you that when you get into me and I get into you, when I redeem all these things, I can turn your ugly feet and make them beautiful when you preach the good news. What is God saying? I think that this is so incredible is that in this room today, God would call someone, anyone who would go and watch me make your beat feet beautiful. Watch me make the things that you thought were ugly and turn them into something that is amazing and that's beautiful. Watch me turn your past into a trajectory and launch you into your destiny. Watch me do something with that you had never thought I can do and turn it into something that everyone would be like, wow, that is amazing. Beautiful are the feet who preach the good news. I think that's the question God's asking today. And if you would be honest with yourself, I believe that God is asking you is that who will go? Yeah. Who will go? 
who will say, you know what, God? I don't care if my feet are dirty. I don't care if I've walked through some things I shouldn't have. I don't care if my past is muddy. If, if God, if you can get a hold of it, then maybe, God, you can use me. I don't care what's happened in my life, but, God, if you can get a hold of it, you said you make ugly things beautiful. You said you make dirty things clean. You say you make unrighteous things righteous. And if I walk with you, then maybe, God, you would do something in my life that has never happened before. Maybe I don't deserve it, but when I walk with you, my campus begins to get clean. Maybe when I walk with you, my family gets to get redeemed. Maybe, Jesus, if I walk with you, no longer will the feet of my life be the shame of my life and the past of my life be the cage of my life. But maybe if I walk with you, God, things will begin to change. If that's you and you would be in the room, everybody stand to your feet and you would say, I will go. I will do it. I would be the one to say, Jesus, send me. God, that you can take the ugly things of my life and you can turn them into something special and significant. If that's you and you would say, God, but I need to get filled and I need to surrender and I need to trust in you and that God, I feel the calling on my life. If that's you today, meet me in the front right now. Come on, come on, come on, come on. All across the room, come on, come on. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.